Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 36. Royal Caribbean recently announced its brand new approach to the dining for the Quantum Class cruise ships, the Quantum of the Seas, and Anthem of the Seas. This week, I want to explore this brand new innovation and discuss what makes it so much different than anything else we've seen from Royal Caribbean in the past, as well as share my experience at the Dynamic Dining Reveal event in New York City the other week. Here we go. Royal Caribbean dropped a bombshell on everyone when it announced Dynamic Dining would be the new manner in which cruise ship guests would eat dinner on board its Quantum-class ships. If you haven't heard yet, the core concept of Dynamic Dining is Royal Caribbean is removing the main dining room completely and instead offering a number of complimentary and specialty restaurants, and specialty restaurants cost extra, for guests to choose from. Passengers can book specific times for any of these restaurants in advance prior to their cruise or opt to book reservations on board the ship. So no more main dining room, no more the same wait staff every night, and no more formal nights. Instead, we get five new complimentary restaurants and a slew of specialty restaurants that cost extra in addition. You can book a restaurant you want to dine at in advance via a brand new Royal Caribbean app that is being rolled out or by calling Royal Caribbean directly or by booking something on board the ship. Royal Caribbean is really pushing hard for its guests to book something in advance for the best selection of opportunities. So they want you to book weeks, if not months in advance, as opposed to waiting for the ship. Dynamic Dining will be available on the Quantum of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, and the yet-to-be-named third Quantum-class cruise ship. Moreover, Dynamic Dining will not expand to other ships in the fleet anytime soon. The new former Royal Caribbean CEO, Adam Goldstein, of course, that's referring to, if you didn't hear earlier this week, Royal Caribbean promoted Adam Goldstein from CEO of Royal Caribbean to a higher position up in the corporate ladder. Thus, there is now a need to find a new CEO. Anyway. Adam had said explicitly that they want to focus dynamic dining on the quantum class, gauge its reaction, fine-tune the whole thing, and then, and only then, perhaps look at expanding dynamic dining to other ships. So whether you like the concept of dynamic dining or not, it's going to be a quantum class only for the next few years at the very least. Instead of the main dining room, we're going to get five new restaurants. American Icon Grill, a take on the classic American road trip, pulling together best-loved regional favorites into one comfort-style menu. I think American Icon Grill is going to be a big hit because its menu will appeal to a lot of people out there. Personally, I can speak and let you know that the Reuben turnovers they offer there are going to be amazing. There's also going to be Chic, where the height of contemporary cuisine is realized and the freshest ingredients, such as proteins that pack a punch and sauces made from scratch, are evolved for a modern palate. What I like about Chic is that if you want to try something new and different, this is the place for you. Now, food trends are always hot, so this place sounds like it's going to be a good opportunity to sample some of those trends and, you know, get a little something different than maybe you might find anywhere else. Silk, a vibrant and exotic destination where spices of the Far East bring new flavor to adventurous palates through a pan-Asian menu. Now, I really love Asian food, and when I heard there would be a restaurant that offers Chinese, Japanese, and Indian, my wife leaned to me and said, I know where you're going to be during the next cruise. Totally true. I love those foods. There's also the Grand, a luxuriant nod to a bygone era of classic European ocean liners where dining was a time-honored ritual featuring timeless dishes and where every night is formal night. Now, as someone that did enjoy getting dressed up for formal nights, I'm glad personally that there's a place to go where there will always be formal night. Plus, we now have a great choice for special occasions like date nights without having to pay extra for, say, chops or similar restaurants. Lastly, there's Coastal Kitchen, a concept created exclusively for sweet guests, fusing Mediterranean influences with the unmatched riches of California's bountiful farmlands. This is, again, a suite-only restaurant, so only those staying in suites will be able to dine here. Now, as someone who has stayed in a junior suite once, and that was it, clearly it's not going to be on my radar, but if you are a sweet person, 
I'm sure this is going to be a great perk for you as well. Now, there's also a slew of specialty restaurants to choose from, a lot of carryovers from the other Royal Caribbean ships like Chop's Grill, Giovanni's Table, Johnny Rockets, and more. And Royal Caribbean did create a few new specialty restaurants just for the Quantum class. First and foremost, Wonderland, an elaborate feast for the senses in a setting where Royal Caribbean chefs twist their culinary kaleidoscopes to invent a dreamscape of never-before-seen fare. I honestly was blown away in a good way by Wonderland. I think it's so far, quote-unquote, out there that it will become a signature Royal Caribbean experience they have to see to believe. I, I really cannot wait to bring my daughter there. Jamie's Italian, featuring rustic Italian favorites, handmade, using seasonal ingredients, and Jamie's tried-and-tested crowd pleasers. Now, my family loves Italian food, and more choice is always good because, of course, we're still going to have Giovanni's table as an option as well. Plus, Jamie Oliver, the celebrity chef behind the restaurant, is supposed to be a really big deal, so I'm really excited to see what he has to offer for it. There's also going to be Michael's Genuine Pub, the first American gastropub at sea, and the next evolution of Royal Caribbean's relationship with the James Beard award-winning chef Michael Schwartz, offering simply prepared food and drinks made with quality ingredients from the best artisanal producers. And I'm sure the food at Michael Genuine's Pub will be great, but the beer that Michael Schwartz brewed just for this restaurant is really, really good. I had a chance to try that out, and it was something that I wish I had a lot more of and perhaps even smuggled some out if I could have, but, you know, it's going to be a good choice. Devon Link Decadence at Solarium Bistro, Royal Caribbean's fittest dining destination, serving all foods you love under 500 calories. Designed by Devin Alexander, media personality, New York Times bestselling author, and chef of highly rated television show The Biggest Loser. I tried her low-calorie Big Mac that Devin came up with, and it was really, really good. And now I can totally justify eating like four of them, right? The other big changes for Dynamic Dining is the Wind Jamero. We open 24 hours a day, which I think is the best news ever. Late night Wind Jamero's, especially after a few drinks at the bar, will be my new favorite thing, I'm sure. And you know what? Thinking of that right now, perhaps this means we should have a midnight Wind Jamero meet on the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise on Quantum of the Seas. So let me know if you think that's a good idea. I have to admit that when Dynamic Dining was first announced, I didn't love the idea. I enjoyed the main dining room having the same weights half each night, and even dressing up a formal night. Granted, I knew I was in the minority, but I also just thought those elements of the cruise were charming and really kind of made it special in a little way. And I know there were a lot of people who thought the same thing and still do, in fact. Now, after attending the Dynamic Dining event and hearing and seeing exactly what Royal Caribbean has planned, the idea honestly started to grow on me. I started to see the benefits that Dynamic Dining offers now, such as more choices for cruisers. We used to preview the main dining room menu and avoid nights we knew the menu wasn't to our taste, like seafood night, for example. Now, we don't have to worry about that. Plus, if there's something we've really liked and want to do it maybe again or three times, we have that chance as well. And that happened on Navigator. This is we really, really loved Sabor. We wanted to be able to go back again. We never got around to it. But, you know, if a restaurant like Sabor were to catch our fancy on Quantum, we could do that. At the event, there was quite a bit of food to try that will be available at these restaurants I mentioned earlier. And two of the restaurants really stood out to me and a number of people I spoke with as well. First is the American Icon Grill, which is basically, again, serves comfort food and choices here are staggering. There's just a lot to choose from. It's one of those menus where you realize you want to try at least half the items on the menu because everything sounds just so good. There's no doubt this restaurant will have a wide appeal. And I think it's going to be one of those places where I'll be yearning to go for another go around here as well. The other intriguing restaurant was Wonderland, and it's really hard to describe what this restaurant is exactly, but I see it as a very eclectic restaurant that flips all the conventional restaurant expectations on their head. It's one of the restaurants you want to eat at with a big group, and I think my daughter, again, is going to fall in love with the whole Alice in Wonderland-esque decor that's there, and the food promises to be just as surprising, too. We sampled one dessert that came in a paper, like a plastic paper, it looked like plastic paper, but actually the chef said you need to eat the paper 
with the food, and it it dissolved in my mouth very quickly. The paper, of course, and the whole thing was really really cool. And I think the experience is going to be it's going to be something so unique and different that it's going to be just again another great Royal Caribbean first. So, what I really took away from dynamic dining is that. I think what Royal Caribbean sees as the next step as the evolution of cruise ship dining is really dynamic dining. Remember when, like, say, having a rock wall or ice skating was quote-unquote revolutionary and like, wow, that was a big deal? This is what I think dynamic dining is going to do for dining. There's no question dynamic dining is aimed at people who are new to cruising who are resistant to the idea of going on a cruise because they think that everyone has to wear tuxedos every night as an example. Now, for veteran cruisers like most of us, I think, listening to this podcast, I think this is an opportunity to give us more choices, and more opportunities. As an example, the Grand is a restaurant where every night is formal night. So if I want to maybe rent a tuxedo and get my money's worth, eating here a few nights would be a good move. Again, I mentioned that data. A lot of people are always saying, you know, Matt, I want to go out on a special night. Maybe it's someone's birthday. Maybe you want to take your significant other out for something special. You know, this is a great place to do it. And again, it doesn't cost anything extra. Now, granted, of course, now that I think about it, this will mean my wife will use the Grand as an excuse to buy more formal dresses, which she loves doing, which will cost me more money. I'm not sure this is actually saving me money. <laughs> now I'm against time to make dining. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, during the event, I actually had a chance to speak to a number of Royal Caribbean leaders like the head of food and beverage and even the CEO himself. And you know what? It was enlightening to hear their opinions on what dynamic dining really is. And I think they understand that, you know, change is always hard. Whenever someone, whenever something fundamentally changes, there's going to be a resistance and fear. I think I, the more I saw, the more I read, the more I sampled, the less resistance I found I had to the whole notion. I started to feel like, you know what? The benefits outweigh the drawbacks. And while I'll still miss having the same waiter every night in dinner, I will also be able to relish in trying more and having a wider selection of food. One of the great things is the restaurants themselves, all these five new restaurants plus the specialty restaurants, will have much bigger menus than the main dining room ever had on any given night. So while big changes like this are never easy, focusing on the benefits and improvements of change helps make it an easier transition, I feel. Of course, Royal Caribbean is always looking to push the envelope in terms of what a cruise ship is. Royal Caribbean has built itself on innovation, and I, you know, have faith in what the new system will be. My advice to anyone who is against the change to dynamic dining is don't look at it like an attack on traditional dining or what you enjoy. Rather, look at it as something completely new and just a different way to have your meals on a Royal Caribbean ship. Now, I've had time to think about this some more, and I'm curious what you all think, though. Email me your opinions on dynamic dining, and if you think this is going to be a positive move for Royal Caribbean. Do you want more dynamic dining on more Royal Caribbean ships? Anyway, whatever your thoughts are, email matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and I'll read your responses next week. It's time once again to share all of our listeners' thoughts, emails, questions, tweets, Facebook messages, even voicemails, and we're going to start things off with a voicemail from Derek. So, Derek, take it away. Hi, Matt. This is Derek. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for this great podcast. That's really awesome. I came across it a few months ago when I was researching my cruise on Navigator Seas in October, and I've been hooked ever since. You're, it's, been, it's been great to get that cruise fixed with uh, about 187 days left until my cruise. Um, I would say definitely your podcast is the Royal Caribbean of podcasts. You hit that sweet spot of value and quality every time it's great and value in terms of you cram a lot of awesome information into only a half hour um, the question I have is when do you think Real Caribbean will or if come back to the Los Angeles ports we live in Salt Lake and although it's a hall it's still drivable so we'd love to have Royal Caribbean come back so we can 
drive to the port and experience the cruises there. Thanks again for your podcast. Love listening to them and keep up the good work. Thank you, Derek, for the voicemail. And you know, that's a great question. A lot of people have been wondering that for actually a couple of years now. Good news, Royal Caribbean is coming back very limited to Los Angeles in 2015. Jewel of the Seas is going to offer seven-night cruises on, on September 26th and October 3rd, 2015. And these cruises will visit the ports of Santa Barbara, San Francisco, Monterey, and, and of course, Ensenada, Mexico. The stop at San Francisco will be overnight, and these will sail out of Los Angeles. These are only the two cruises that they've added so far. So as you can see, this is not exactly a whole season over here. I think Royal Caribbean is using this kind of as a... Um tipping their toes in the water once more and seeing what kind of demand they get. If they do well, these cruises sell out well and, you know, good. they make good revenue on it or whatever. It's going to, I think, obviously convince them maybe to send more ships to Los Angeles and kind of see where the market is. Because as you know, Royal Caribbean has been out of the whole market in Los Angeles since 2010 when Mariner of the Seas left the whole market. And, of course, that was all precipitated by a rise in violence in Mexico and as you know, cruise ships need to stop somewhere outside of the United States, which is why they're stopping in Ensenada of all places. And I know Ensenada has a terrible reputation, but they're going there anyway. So I know there are a lot of people that are excited about that. So if you want to get a chance on one of those two cruises, you know, this will be a great opportunity for you to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise out of Los Angeles. And hopefully if it does really well, we'll see more cruises out of the West Coast because I know, Derek, you're not the only person who's looking forward to that. Let's go to our next email, and it's from Christopher Percy. Great podcast on episode 34, Crown and Anchor Society. Royal Caribbean has done a good job in developing their loyalty program when compared to other cruise lines. As one moves up in status, the perks certainly get better. Discounts on cabins, advanced booking on new itineraries or ships, early boarding, and of course, the free drinks are nice too, just to name a few. We are Diamond Plus members and enjoy many nice benefits. Our goal is to be pinnacle one day. Christopher, thank you always for the email, and I couldn't agree more about all that, especially being Pinnacle someday. Wouldn't that be nice? Of course, to get to Pinnacle, one has to take many, 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 many more Royal Caribbean cruises, so it's win-win, really. Next is an email from Spencer Bloomquist. Hey, Matt, I've been on several cruises, however, never on Royal Caribbean. I finally booked Allure of the Seas this May, except for this cruise I am now unfortunately wheelchair-bound due to an attempted robbery a couple of years ago. I wanted to see if you would consider doing a podcast on accessibility. Royal Caribbean ships are incredibly well thought out, but it seems as though all the information is scattered around all over the place. Thanks to your podcast, they have been preparing me for this experience coming in May. Spencer, thank you so much for the email. That's a great idea. And maybe I'm going to reach out to Royal Caribbean to maybe get someone to talk with so we can, you know, again, go over the accessibility stuff. Because like you said, there's a lot to it. And Royal Caribbean does a really good job about it. I'm sure as you know, Spencer, there are a number of handicap and just accessible staterooms that exist and these are available to you the newer ships definitely have more than say the older ships do and going on a lot of the seas i'm sure you're gonna have plenty of opportunities there to be able to get a, a stateroom that's going to be perfect for your needs and on top of that a lot of the restaurants and just facilities in general on the ship are going to be very accommodating for people who are uh, have special needs and again i wouldn't hesitate to recommend royal caribbean as a cruise ship or cruise line really for anybody who has special needs because they really do try to go out of there and make sure that everybody can be included in it. But I will take that idea under advisement. So thank you, Spencer. Let's go to an email from Dirk from Germany. Hi, Matt. Guten Tag from Germany. Just listened to your podcast. Enjoyed it very much. Like always, you're doing a pretty good job. There are several aspects when it comes to choosing Royal Caribbean cruise that we consider. One, duration of the cruise. We only look for cruises that last 12 nights or longer. In Germany, we have enough vacation days to spend, six weeks per year, and longer cruises mean more time to relax. Class of ship. We prefer Voyager and Radiance class ships. Haven't tried the bigger ones yet. My impression is they would be too big for us, more like cities than ships. Three, destination. We're very open when it comes to the issue. We just want to have another experience the year before. For example, last year, 
We went to the Baltics, so and for this year, we're looking for something different, either in Europe or on the other side of the Atlantic. Stateroom. We love the breath of fresh air, so it must be a balcony cabin. This is a must-have for us. Airfares should not pay higher than 50% of the cruise itself. We discuss all these aspects with our travel agents and let them do the work and wait for the proposals. Some days later, we receive a list matching our cruises, and that is what we have to decide with. This year, all that was left was a 16-night cruise from New Orleans to Barcelona with 10 sea days, four beginning, six from St. Martin to Tenerife, and two nights in New Orleans before we board on the Serenade. We're looking forward to the cruise and your next podcast. Thank you, Dirk. And, you know, you brought up some good points, actually, because, of course, people who are cruising from, say, Europe or anywhere else, Australia, anywhere else in the world where their ships can be different than certainly people in the United States. And I think you brought up a couple of things. What is the duration of the cruise? You're right. If you've got time to burn, for instance, or you just, you know, obviously, if you're cruising wherever you're going, be it Alaska, the Caribbean, Europe, Mediterranean, the reality is, you know, if you... You know, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get up to those places. You want to make sure you're going there for enough time. You know, a five-night cruise isn't going to do it for you, right? Because you're going to spend more time and more money in airfare than you are in the actual cruise itself. So, you know, you brought up the 12 nights or longer. And the 14-night cruises really are that sweet spot for a lot of people who are coming from overseas as well. So that's definitely a great point to be brought up. And the other one is, of course, airfare. And that's true for everybody. It's all relative, right? In the United States, we complain about airfares. But, you know, obviously, people coming from overseas are going to be much more expensive. However, that being said, I don't think anybody wants to pay more in airfare than they do for the cruise itself, and that's important. You may find a great deal on a cruise, but like, yeah, this is a perfect cruise for us. It's the perfect price, but if the airfare is ridiculously expensive, I mean, you just can't justify it, so totally get that. Thank you for the email, Dirk, or should I say Dunkishen. Next is an email from Bill Carney. Hi, Matt. Well, we finally booked our first Royal Caribbean cruise thanks to your excellent podcast. After lots of research on the Royal Caribbean site, comparing schedules, and listening to episode 12 several times to learn about the fleet, we selected Vision of the Seas and a five-night Western Caribbean cruise. We also listened to your reviews of Roatan and Cancun. I think you mean Cozumel, but you know what I mean. From the last cruise, which helped us get an idea of what to expect at those ports. We're looking forward to it. Thought I would ask your help on one specific thing that confused me during the research. The many different stateroom categories which are displayed as letters and colors are frankly just a hindrance to me as I navigated the Royal Caribbean site. Is there a master key to decipher these codes? Are they similar across ships? Are there some that should be avoided or sought after? I'd appreciate your help and advice so I can help speed up the process in selecting a room next time. As always, thanks for the podcast and the blog. Great question, Bill. And first of all, I'm glad you, of course, booked a cruise. Vision's a great ship. It just got refurbished, so I think you'll have a great time. And five nights is a good amount of time. It's just... It's short enough that you're not there for a long time, but you're long enough that it doesn't feel like you just got on. So I think it'll be a good thing. And it sounds like you probably got a good deal because those five nights on vision usually are a pretty good price. To answer your question about the stateroom codes, yes. So while there are, you know, four main categories of staterooms inside ocean view, balcony and suites, there are many subcategories and they are represented by letters, sometimes numbers. In fact, you know, like you'll see uh, F or B1 or D4, JS. Basically, they are different. Basically, each stateroom is not created equal, and they have different variations on each stateroom based on a couple different things. One is room size, another is location on the ship, and the third is the view. And there might be some other minor things here and there, like you know, the some ocean, some inside cabins have, for instance, virtual balconies, so they're going to be different. It, basically, the cheapest ones in each given category are probably going to have the worst location. And the worst view and certainly the smallest square footage space, generally speaking, of course. So an inside cabin, for instance, the cheapest one, which may be, you know, one of the first categories that you'll find, it's going to be the cheapest one, but it's also going to be probably located, you know, uh, I would say one of the less desirable deck, probably all the way forward or all the way aft. 
Whereas when you start to go on other, you, know, you start moving up to the next category and within st- inside the room, you get a better location, maybe even slightly larger room, so forth. And that carries over for all the ones. It's I think the easiest way to think about it is look at the suites because these make the most amount of sense. You know, the cheapest suite is a junior suite. What is a junior suite? Well, it's the smallest of the suites. It gives you limited amenities in terms of access to concierge. And you don't have certain amenities you get it when you move up to a, maybe even a grand suite or an owner suite or the presidential suite. It's all relative, right? So the more you pay, the more you get. And that's kind of how the rest of the state rooms are as well. Hopefully that makes some sense. The, you know, the master key to decipher these codes, you're usually on the Royal Caribbean side. I'm surprised you had some issue finding it. There are a ton of websites that have deck plans. It's all the same stuff. They all come from Royal Caribbean site. They're, I mean, no one's really reinventing the deck plan. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but. Uh, there's a number of them. Just search for Royal Caribbean deck plans. I'm sure you'll find. They all have descriptions. Most of them are all just the stocks that Royal Caribbean offers. The descriptions of Royal Caribbean offers are admittedly not that great. They'll be like, it's a standard ocean view room with a grand view of a, you know, veranda and the balcony. They all sound the same, basically. With the exception of like the obvious ones, like a, again, a virtual balcony. It'll say it has a virtual view of the ocean, whereas the other ones just don't say anything. So it's not going to help you a whole lot. I find finding maybe searching photos for those you know, if you're saying like, uh, do I want vision of the seas? You know, this cabin or this cabin, try searching, actually Google searching, you know, vision of the seas, eight, four, two, eight versus vision of the seas, six, zero, one, two. I'm making up numbers there. I don't know if they actually exist and you know, seeing what comes out there. That might be a fun, good way of finding it. Hopefully that helps you bill. And if it doesn't email us back. Lastly, we have a comment out on royalcaribbeanblog.com from Jackie Hall. And this was about one of our emails last week about cruising in women and jackie writes one note about women in cruising my daughter and i did one of the quick cruises on enchantment of the seas without pre-booking any excursions when we disembarked there we realized it was pretty scary getting solicited by all the vendors we ended up choosing a young man who drove us around the island which worked out well but then walking down the big bar was daunting too it was definitely more difficult to visit a port without someone to escort us the security of coco Cay was great in comparison jackie thank you for the note there and you know certainly that's a good indication maybe you should take a group tour because then you don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff in fact the tours of course usually get together before you even exit the port area so you don't deal with any of the people soliciting you on top of that you could also book something on your own get a private driver as i've often done and that way you don't have to worry about it they'll meet you right at the entrance there they'll have maybe even a sign for you it'll be very easy and again they can navigate you through everything else that's there and any of the pitfalls that may be there and of course it doesn't matter if you're a woman or, or a man i mean it can be intimidating sometimes again it doesn't matter about gender so a good point though about using the person to help you drive you around and help make your life a little bit easier so thank you jackie but of course, I want to hear from all of you. We had some great emails, great tweets. I want to hear more. I want to get more comments, more voicemails. So this is your opportunity. Again, I want this podcast to be about you guys, and I want you to be able to feel like you can chime in on anything we're talking about or anything we haven't talked about yet. Bring it up. If we're missing a big topic you think is important, let's talk about it. So again, we you can send your comments via a number of different ways. On Twitter, we are at the RCL blog. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. You can email us, Matt, M-A-T-T, at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Or call the Royal Caribbean blog voicemail by calling 408-6-ROYAL-6. That's 408-676-9256. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.